without extensive study in theology, psychology, and the like. What if I told you I had a secret technique, a secret technique, and a one-time offer, today, today only? And today, today only, I will throw the gospel in for free. The gospel is the technique. The gospel is the deal, is the deal of a lifetime. The only truth in the world that can comfort you body and soul in life and in death. And you only need one book of the Bible to do it. What book of the Bible would you turn? Where are we turning this morning? (laughs) What book of the Bible am I thinking of? A book of the Bible that can solve your brother's depression, anxiety, fear, sorrow, lack of conviction, laziness, idleness, and lack of assurance. My son has his hand up raised high. I see that hand. And with an added bonus, from the same book, not only can you comfort the Christian from the same book, you can evangelize and disciple the lost. It's a deal of a lifetime. What book am I thinking of? Anyone? Want to take a guess? Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans. Yes, Romans. And the chapter has been called the tree of life in the midst of the garden of Eden. Which chapter in the Bible is the tree of life in the garden of Eden? Anyone take a guess? Our scripture reading this morning is Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans 8. Good guesses, everyone. There are wrong answers, obviously, though. It is Romans 8. (laughs) Now, there's no wrong answers when it comes to God's Word. Romans 8, verses 1 through 4, our scripture text for this morning. Hear now God's holy word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So far, the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Eternal Father, who has spoken in various times and in various ways to your people in the past, but in these last days in your Son, the incarnate word, we pray that you will open the mouth of your servant to proclaim that word in the power of the Spirit, and we pray that this same Spirit will open the hearts of its hearers here assembled to receive your holy gospel and write on their hearts your holy law, even as you have promised. And all of this, gracious Father, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Amen. I have a confession to make this morning. I am an abuser. I have abused far too long Romans 10, verse 17. For faith comes by hearing. I've also abused 1 John 4 too many times. We love because he first loved us. And I am an abuser of Romans 8.1. There is now no more condemnation. I sometimes feel guilty in counseling and preaching because I turn to these texts so much. I abuse Romans 8 in preaching and counseling because it's just so easy to do. It's almost like it's cheating. It's Christian life cheating. It's Christian ministry cheating to simply turn to Romans 8 because it's just so good. It's the tree of life in the midst of the garden of God's holy word. It's a comprehensive study on how to live and die in the comfort of the Lord. Romans 8 is all about the blessings, the blessings we have in Christ. And these blessings are the assurance, the assurances that we have in Christ. And Christian assurance is what you need when you counsel your brother and your sister in the Lord. We need Christian assurance. And assurance is key in Christian counseling. In assurance, we need to relieve the wayward Christian of guilt. In counseling, we need to provide confidence for the struggling Christian. And we need to give peace to the hurting Christian. So bring them to the garden of God's word that they might eat from this tree of life. Romans 8 is a study of assurance. It begins with the assurance of righteousness in verse 1. It then moves on to the assurance that the Holy Spirit is working in your life in verse 6. And then in verse 12, it moves on to the assurance that we have that we belong to God, adoption, we are heirs with Christ and so forth. And then it moves to our future. You have assurance of a glorious future, Paul says in Romans 8. Your future is secure in God, a sovereign God. We have the assurance of his almighty hand in this chapter. We have the assurance of his unending love in this chapter. We have assurance of victory. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We have assurance that his love will never leave or forsake us. All these wonderful assurances. And this morning, I want to give you the first assurance, and that is the assurance of righteousness. The Christian life is an assurance of righteousness. The Christian life is the life of having assurance. You must have assurance to be a Christian. The Christian life is a life of assurance. That's the title of my sermon this morning. The Christian life is an assurance of righteousness. And for all you accountant types out there, it's your lucky day. Special offer. I have three points this morning for my sermon. The Christian life is an assurance of righteousness, three points. The Christian life is the assurance of Christ's righteousness, first point. Second, the Christian life is an assurance of God's power. And third, the Christian life is an assurance of faith. Your three points, don't get used to them. Uh, I'm going on vacation, just giving you a special one-time offer. All right, the Christian life is an assurance of righteousness, and it is Christ's righteousness. That's the first point this morning. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that I know I am right before God. 
To be a Christian, to be a Christian is to know that I am right before God, not on account of my own righteousness, but I am right before God as if I've never sinned or been a sinner, but as if I've been perfectly obedient as Christ is obedient for me. I'm an abuser of Heidelberg 60. To be a Christian is to know that I've been raised to new life in Christ. But Christians struggle with this assurance, so it's fitting that Paul begins here. You see, fear of guilt is often the primary reason Christians struggle, and we struggle with sin accordingly because Paul says so in Romans 7.21. Look up at 7.21. Paul says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. According to Paul, we face evil daily. Daily we face evil. And I'm not talking about the evil out there. I'm not talking about the evil out there that your favorite uh, news personality tells you to hate and you follow blindly. No, I'm talking about the evil that's in our hearts. The true evil out there in the world that comes from within and spills out on our tongue and with our hands. And so there's guilt. There's doubts. There's fear. There's lack of assurance. And it's at this point that many Christians' traditions will tell you, you got to try harder, brother. The sun will come up tomorrow. And many find their assurance in Christian resolutions. I'll do better next time. I'll do better tomorrow. And resolutions are really only temporary fixes at best. At worst, they're only set up. It's only a setup for a worse fall later. We don't need Christian resolutions because we have Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation. The Greek actually begins with the negative. Never. It literally begins never. Never any condemnation. Now Paul has just called you evil. In Romans 7, he's called you evil. And in Romans 8, he says, no one can bring a charge against God's elect because there's no more condemnation. No more condemnation, for you are the righteousness of God, and it is not your righteousness. It is what Martin Luther called an alien righteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. According to Paul, the opposite of condemnation, the opposite of condemnation is being in Christ Jesus. The opposite of condemnation is being in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is the assurance of Christ's righteousness. Christ is your righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, or excuse me, he made him who knew not sin to be sin, that we might be in him the righteousness of God. You see, in Christ, all condemnation has been spent. Christ satisfied the judgments of God on the cross. So in Christ, righteousness can never fully be spent. 
This means that your sin only leads to more righteousness. Your sin only leads to more grace. Your sin only leads to more satisfaction. Your sin only leads to God loving you more because your sin only leads to more Christ and more Christ is the Christian life. I can sum up the Christian life in this, more Christ. Give me more Christ. And you can't get more eternal life than more Christ. In Christ. You are in Christ. Now, when is this life of no more condemnation? It's in the adverb now. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline the adverb now. I want you to highlight the adverb now. I want you to memorize the adverb now. It is now. No more condemnation. The moment you first believed. And now. No more condemnation. No more guilt. You're not guilty. Not guilty because you're in Christ and his blood has washed away all your sins and you bear them no more. Listen to your Savior. John 3, 18, Jesus says, whoever believes in me is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. But whoever believes is not condemned. Because you believe in the name of the only Son of God. Believe in Christ and you're not condemned. Now you might say to me, but pastor... I'm very evil. You talk about the evil, I could tell you some stories. I'm very evil. And then I'll say, but Christ is very, very great. But you really don't understand, Pastor. I really, really sin. Oh, but you don't understand. Christ is really, really greater than all your sins. You see, in your old life, there's condemnation. That's your old life. That's your life in Adam. Romans 5.18, Paul says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, Adam failed, Paul says, and condemnation is for all. Adam failed and we're all condemned. And the answer to Adam's failure is the success of the second Adam. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, we're all made sinners, so by man, one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Christ was obedient to the covenant of works. He answered the charge of the covenant of works, and he was obedient, and he earned heaven. He earned salvation, and he freely gives it to those who believe. And by faith you receive And the result of this reception is new life, no more condemnation. It's yours now, adverb now. The Christian life is the assurance of Christ's righteousness. In Christ, now you are the righteousness of God. If I was in the inner city, I'd say right now, can I get an amen? Someone would say, say, preach it, brother. The Christian life is an assurance of Christ's righteousness. The Christian life is an assurance of God's power. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now the word law here is not the mosaic works principle. This is not the works principles of scripture. 
the law of the Spirit. This is law in the sense of an authority. There's some kind of authority. He's dealing with two authorities. There's two powers here. There's the power of the, of, of the Spirit of life, and there's the power of sin and death. There are two directories, trajectories in life, he is saying here. There are two peoples to whom you may belong. You belong to one or the other. You either belong to the darkness or you belong to the light. You're either on the trajectory, you're on the trajectory of this world and where it's headed, and it will be consumed by fire, or you are on the trajectory of heaven. That is, you belong to another age, a new age, a new life. You belong either to the old man, Adam, or you belong to the new man, Christ. And if you belong to Christ, you are free. In Christ, this sinful age has nothing on you. Because this Holy Spirit has separated you from the kingdom of darkness. The Holy Spirit that hovered over the darkness of the deep in the beginning of creation and brought forth light. light. The same Holy Spirit that hovered over Israel and delivered from the darkness, delivered them from the darkness of Pharaoh's grip. The same Holy Spirit that hovered over Christ and delivered him from death. Same Holy Spirit that hovers over you now is delivering you now. For the Spirit has forever been delivering those chosen in Christ. There is now no more condemnation because the Father chose you before the foundation of the earth. The Son died for you on the cross and the Holy Spirit is now keeping you. Keeping you under the declaration no more condemnation. There is no more condemnation because of what God has done. Verse 3, for God has done I underline that in my Bible, for God has done. That literally is the theme of the entire Bible, by the way. The theme of the entire Bible is God has done. Here you go. You want the book of what God has done? I would title the book, hey, you want the book of what God has done by sending his own son? Here's the book of what God has done by sending his own son from Genesis to Revelation. And you must read it and find assurance in what God has done. What God has done, verse 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Remember Adam? Adam's fall has made the flesh weak. This is the doctrine of original sin. And in the doctrine of original sin, we have the doctrine of total depravity. And in the doctrine of total depravity, we have the doctrine of total inability. Total inability means we can never do anything in our flesh to please God. We can't in our person do anything to please God, and that doctrine leads to fear. Fear, because you can't get it done. Total fear. We cannot help ourselves. So any Christian tradition that tells you to do more, keep going, try harder next time, the sun will come up tomorrow, they're only setting you up, to fail. The truth is, the truth is, God has done. That's Christianity. God has done. God has done your salvation through and through. God has done is Christianity. So even the good that you can do is because God has done. Even the good that you now do in your Christian life is because God has done. As St. Augustine said, to will is nature, to will a right is grace. Or perhaps better, 1 John, John, we love 
because he first loved us. See, I'm an abuser. I've already confessed it, so now I can just keep on abusing. God has done means salvation is finished. It is finished means no more condemnation. We are secure in the hands of the God who gets it done. And those are nailed, scarred hands, by the way. And if you believe in those nailed, scarred hands, he has done it all for you. Isn't that wonderful? I would end my sermon now, but I have more to say. (laughs) I know I've told this story before, but it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart every time I think about it. When I was writing the sermon, I was thinking about it. There was a young man who visited our church. He visited our church for about a month. And on his last Sunday... He told me out there, right there in the foyer, I remember like it was yesterday, I was standing right there and he came up to me. He said, Pastor Jared, this is my last Sunday. And I was like, oh, why, brother? You moving? He said, no. He said, it's your gospel. I want to believe it. I actually love it. But it's too easy. I can't believe it. because he was raised on fear. He'd been raised by Christians who taught him to fear. Too many Christians are raised on fear instead of faith. The Christian life is an assurance of faith. That's our third point. Look at verse 8. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Later on, he'll say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we need faith alone, right? That's the Reformation, faith alone. But many have turned today faith into some kind of faithfulness. They've turned the gospel into law. So they don't know if there's no more condemnation until they've seen enough in their own person to warrant such a claim. That young man out there needed assurance, but he needed assurance in what he had done. Because people have marketed Christianity as a religion of good people getting better. That's what you hear out there. Christianity is a religion of good people doing their best to get better. Christianity is a religion of evil people who can't cope with their evilness. So we need a Savior. You see, we please God only in Christ. In Christ, everything is finished. God doesn't need your good works because he got enough of it in his own well-beloved son. He's got his well-beloved son. He doesn't need you to save yourself. He sent his son. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Likeness of sinful flesh. He who knew no sin, he sent his son to be like man. That is, born under the law, born of a woman, born under the law to fulfill the covenant of works that he might freely give you his grace through the covenant of grace. He condemned sin in the flesh. Christ fulfills the law. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, you can take that text out of context. It makes it kind of sound like you got to do something. 
But one thing, here's a grammar lesson. The verb fulfilled there, it's passive, past tense. Passive means, in grammar, passive means someone else does the work. There's another agent doing the work through you. There's a fulfillment that's not of you. Another did it. Past tense means they did it over 2,000 years ago. Walking not according to the flesh, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us believe. That's the whole point of verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of the sin and death. It's the Spirit who does it. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us believe. The Holy Spirit, faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit working through the word. That was last week's sermon. And the Holy Spirit makes us believe. The Holy Spirit gives us faith. And then the power of the gospel the Holy Spirit uses for us to glorify God. So the gospel moves the Christian to good works. Walking according to the flesh is walking in myself, trying my best, living up to resolutions, or failing mostly resolutions. But walking by the Spirit is walking by faith in Christ and actually doing the right thing for the first time. And by the hand of faith, we hold on to Christ and truly begin to do the law for the first time as the Spirit leads us by the hand, by the hand of faith. So do you want to be a good Christian? You want to do good? Then you need assurance that you don't need to do good. If you want to be good, you must first begin with the assurance that you don't need to be good. I know it's counterintuitive. (laughs) It's a gospel mystery. When we put away our good works and we find Christ's righteousness, then we become good for the first time. And then we begin to live like it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith alone. Christ alone, sola gratia, grace alone. I'm just, I'm just up here spewing Protestantism. Uh, again, the solas is like cheating as well. I could just almost do the solas for every sermon and just cheat my way through the ministry. Put your confidence, put your hope in what God has done without any merit of your own. And you will begin for the first time to live for the Lord. Put your hope in what you have done and you are condemned already. Put your hope in what Christ has done, and you will please God, even though you're still inclined toward all evil. Have never kept any of the commandments of God. I abuse Heidelberg 60 a lot. Nevertheless, out of sheer grace, God imputes and credits to your filthy rags that you are offering to God. He imputes those as righteous. He considers them righteous and he takes them. Not in yourself, not because your works are so good. He takes them in Christ. And his obedience makes your filthy rags pure, spotless works. 
And this truth passes all understanding, and it is the only truth that will pass you through this sad world. The Christian life is the assurance of righteousness. This righteousness is our justification. This righteousness is our sanctification. This assurance is our only hope for body and soul in life and in death. I abuse Heidelberg 1. But there's no misuse in using the gospel to cure all your woes, to cure all the woes of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So eat from the tree of life, put away your good works, lead your brothers and sisters to the gospel, live by the gospel, take them to the gospel, live for the first time, for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.